0: Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to our monthly book club, and welcome David Stein. David, are you ready? I'm ready. It's good to be here. Excellent. David is the producer and host of Money for the Rest of Us, a weekly personal finance podcast. and He is the author of Money for the Rest of Us, 10 Questions to Master Successful Investing. I'm excited to have you on. David, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and what motivated you to put pen to paper. Well, sure. Uh,
1: professionally, at this point, I'm a podcaster and writer, so I've been doing Money for the Rest of Us, a weekly personal finance show for over five years now. Nice. And I uh, have over about uh, over 12 million downloads on the podcast. So it's it's done well. No kidding. Prior to that, I was a professional money manager. So I spent 17 years with a firm called Fund Evaluation Group. We were institutional investment advisors, working working mostly with not-for-profits, so endowments and foundations, helping them with asset allocation, as well as some uh, managing their portfolios. And I was chief investment strategist at that firm. Other than that, I, I split my time between uh, Phoenix and Idaho, love to hike, bike, spend a lot of time outdoors, love to read, and I really very much enjoy writing, which is why I, I wrote this book. I often get asked by listeners, is there a book they can recommend on how to invest? There's a lot of very good books on investing. But not so many in terms of trying to decide where to invest. So there's good books on picking individual stocks or researching cryptocurrency, real estate. But just stepping back and analyzing which of those activities should we pursue, not so many. And so I wrote the book about that.
0: Got it. Well, certainly 17 years um, of doing I guess you'd probably call that some of the most sophisticated money management and and investing decisions as you can possibly imagine, because you managed a lot of money. And then wanting to, well, for lack of a better term, just to, to your point, people were asking you about a book about investing. So when, when people pick it up, what are you hoping that they're going to get out of reading it?
1: Well, one, that, that they do not need to be an expert to invest we navigate a number of domains through really rules of thumb. And so part of it is to share rules of thumb for how to invest, but also just to make it less daunting. So people realize that, hey, I can invest. I can do this. There's things that I can do. There's rules of thumb I can follow to be able to invest. And and the other thing is really to recognize that we're portfolio managers. I spent 17 years as a portfolio managers. What a portfolio manager, manager does is they allocate investments among numerous opportunities. And that's what we do when we're managing our 401k or other investments. How should we allocate our our, our money across different opportunities? And that's
0: what the book teaches. Got it. Okay. So um, just so I, I sort of get a good understanding of for lack of a better term, the the, the 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 premise of the book, it's you, individual investor. You 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 probably understand a lot of the basics, and now it's time to be able to invest like a professional. And, and it is the it tools. is okay,
1: exactly. And the framework, it's really a, a checklist for when you're evaluating a given investment. Here are ten questions that you should answer before investing, and so it takes. The 17 years of experience, how I've worked with institutions, but I've also worked with very high net worth individuals and, and helps them. I mean, here's how to analyze an investment to decide whether you should add it to your portfolio or not.
0: Got it. Okay. And so from from your experience, um, both working with institutions, working with individuals, and understanding what the landscape of personal finance in, in America is – uh, are there certain habits that, that you're hoping to help break?
1: Well, I think what you see, particularly in the personal finance space, investing space, there's there's so many voices out there and you know people might decide they want to invest. So they start Googling it and, and next thing you know, they're looking at trading academies <laughs> or they're investing in cryptocurrencies, which they've never heard of or they're pursuing a foreign currency investing or speculating. And so the habit I'm trying to break is to just to step back and, and ask yourself, you know, what does it take to be successful with this investment? I mean, first of all, understand, I mean, the question number one is to be able to describe in simple terms to a friend, what is it that you're investing in? And this was a, you know, one of my first institutional clients was a liberal arts college in Indiana. I'd meet quarterly with the investment committee. I was 30, I was young. I just, I mean, I felt a little bit out of my league. Everybody on the committee was 60 years old, but I was supposed to, I was their investment advisor. I needed to recommend what to do with this $200 million endowment. And the committee chair said, if I can't explain an investment to somebody that's not on the committee, then we're not investing. And that is great investment advice. And so, you know, our job as investors is to be able to understand what we're investing in. And, you know, that's really the habit that I'm, I'm trying to instill and also break the habit of going after, you know, whatever gets the most hype right now. Because it can be investing can be intoxicating. Like, I, you know, I can buy an individual stock or I can buy a cryptocurrency and hopefully it'll double. We're trying to get away from that and to approach this more. Systematically and, and ask some questions that are appropriate to ask before we commit our capital to, to a particular opportunity.
0: I think that that makes a lot of sense. Why why is it why is it so important that 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 people do understand it? Is that so that they won't? Or I don't think it's ever possible to not react emotionally to things. Is it, is it a matter of if I have a better understanding of what the thing is and maybe how it works that I'll limit my my emotional response something like that well exactly we're,
1: we're, what we're trying to do is avoid big mistakes i mean ned davis is a an investor he's got 50 years of experience he's, he's one of my virtual investment mentors I subscribe to the service and and he says we're in the business of making mistakes but the difference between the winners and the losers is is the, the winners make very small mistakes and the losers make big mistakes and so we need to as investors have a framework, an investment philosophy, really a discipline so that we're not making big mistakes. And, and to do that, you actually have to have some type of discipline as you approach investing. And, and there's many different ways to invest. So, I'm trying to teach a, a specific discipline that an individual can use without being an expert in order to analyze investment opportunities.
0: Okay. I got it. All right, so, how how would you describe that discipline?
1: Well, I mean the discipline is 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 the ten questions. So here's Got an it. example of some of the questions. First is what is it? You know, the second is really just to classify investments. Is this an investment, a speculation, or a gamble? The mm. a, a difference between investing and speculating. Investing tends to have a well, expected positive return because there's cash flow component to it. There's dividends, there's interest, there's rents. Speculations, which is what new investors often fall, fall into, cryptocurrencies, for example, foreign exchange, there is no cash flow component to it. You have to be absolutely right in order to make money because somebody has to pay more down the line for that particular investment. And so another question we should ask is who, who is on the other side of the trade? Who, who's selling it, this particular investment? We do this, if you buy a house or a car, you wanna know who's selling it to you and why, what's their motivation? Because it can give you some type of edge in terms of the negotiating. But people will go into investing and they'll buy a stock and never start to think, well, who dominates trading in stocks? Or who, domi- who dominates trading in foreign exchange? And realize they're competing against professionals. You know, what other domain do you pick up a racket and start competing with professionals? You don't do that in tennis, but people open up a trading account and start competing with professionals in terms of trying to trade options or futures, and and invariably they lose.
0: Isn't that, I mean, that's something that I think so very few of us think about, and really myself included, you think about why it's so difficult to to consistently beat the market because you have to be right at the time you buy, and then you have to be right at the time you sell. So I I think I fall into the trap a lot of the time of just thinking about, well, these are decisions I need to be making, when in fact, I also need to be considering that there is, to your point, an absolute professional and teams of them who are betting against me that I'm going to be making the wrong decision, potentially.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And it's important to, for example, buying an individual stock. We don't, you know, people buy a company, let's say Netflix or some uh, Amazon, Tesla, something that's growing very, very quickly, and they're excited about it, they're excited about the products, and they don't realize it doesn't matter if the company is growing fast or it has really cool products because everybody else is already analyzing that. When you buy an individual stock, just one stock, what you're saying is the market is wrong that the consensus of investors have underestimated the growth prospects of this particular company. And so, which is fine. I mean, that's that's what I spent over 15 years researching stock managers, meeting with hedge funds, understanding how they go about investing. And when they invest, they believe a stock is undervalued, that it's price, it's wrong. And they build the models and they go through all the analysis and then they're willing to buy it. But as individuals, sometimes we just go buy a stock because we heard of it and think, "Yeah, this is going to do well." Without considering, doesn't matter if it does well. It has to do better than what everyone else is expecting it to do. Because a stock, the intrinsic value of a stock is the value today of its future profits and dividends. And so that that value has to be wrong, otherwise we don't buy it. We just buy the overall market through an index fund.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a such an important thing for for everybody to be taking a big step and realizing, and and certainly one of the dangers, if not the biggest, well, it's a huge danger when we are investing in individual stocks and mistakes that I know that I made a ton of um, when I was just getting started with investing. So I think keep it in mind that there are absolutely enormous teams of people that are using a criteria. To evaluate when they're going to be buying or selling, and it sounds like that's really what what what, you're, what you've done with this book is you've given the rest of us <laughs> a process and a discipline for being able to make investment decisions because when something's a problem, you need to make a proce- you need to make it a process exactly got it so was was it hard or easy to to get to ten?
1: Well, (laughs) that's a good question because it, uh, it tends a nice round number. Sure. It, uh, you know, the first seven or eight were pretty good, (laughs) easy to get to. Uh, I admit the 10th was tough because I ended up, you know, as you're writing a book, you realize, well, this really could be two questions. This really could be combined into one. So Mm -hmm. we ended up combining it. It's like, I, I need a 10th question. But I mean, there, it, I think the 10 I ended up with are really very solid questions that, that we should ask. Not that there aren't others that could be asked, but I think this gives a solid basis for making very sound investment decisions.
0: Uh, I'm, 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 I'm 100% confident of that. And uh, it, it is, I mean, trying to distill down a a, a career's worth of experience and, and everything else is, is no small feat. So I'm I'm grateful that that you took the time to do it. Um, anything that, that, that you'd add or subtract after having written the book and and it's out in the, in the ether?
1: Not at this point. I mean, I, I think, you know, what I was hoping to avoid in writing the book is, you know, I didn't want a boring book Mm -hmm. and I wanted it to be so listeners to my podcast know that it's, it's narrative driven. So I, I do share personal experiences or other things to help metaphors, analogies to reinforce Points. And so this is not a book of, of five bullet points. I mean, there are experiences there to, to help people really resonate with, you know, here, here are why these are 10 questions. Here's why you need to answer it. But definitely illustrations. The other thing is, is to not make it too simplistic. Right? I mean, there, there's a framework, but this is not and this is helpful for beginners. Beginners can use it. I mean, there's a very large glossary in the back but I try to write a book for all levels. So even if someone's had, you know, a decade or more experience investing, there's something that they can take away from this book. And I, and I do the same thing with my podcast. It's accessible to investors that, at other, at different levels so that those that are more experienced don't get bored, but those that are, that are beginners, I'm not talking over their heads. So I think that's what I try to achieve. We'll see, I mean, the book's only been out Uh, the eBooks only been out a few days, the hardcover actually got delayed. They recalled the hardcover, uh, last week, right before we hit the store shelves due to a printing issue on the, on the dust jacket. So that comes out uh, next month in November. So I'll, I'll wait to, to, to hear feedback. I, you know, some authors say don't ever read your reviews. (laughs) I'm fine reading reviews, right? I mean, I, I can separate people that are just being trolls versus those that actually have candid feedback and I welcome feedback because that helps to, to make a better book. In fact, I sent the draft to 21 individuals that are a member of my website that volunteered and got very candid feedback on the initial manuscript and was able to revise based on that. So I, I'm sure there will be other things that I will have wanted to add or subtract, but I don't know. I won't know until I get more reader feedback.
0: Got it. I appreciate that. So, some really of, of the kind of the main ideas you really want to reinforce?
1: Well, the main ideas is, is that with a, a framework as portfolio managers that are allocating assets, that we can have confidence and peace of mind when it comes to investing. That if we, we follow an investment discipline and we're asking and answering these questions, that we will have a huge advantage when it comes to investing because we're not going to panic, as you mentioned, when the market sells off or we're just going to have a better foundation to be long-term investors. And, you know, a big component of that within the book is to focus on investments that you understand essentially what drives investment returns, any given investment. What drives it? And in most investments, it's the cash flow. It's the cash flow growth you how is it growing over time and the valuation that investors are placing on that cash flow are they overpaying expecting you know leading to potential disappointment or are they are they, are the, is the particular investment cheap in terms of what investors are willing to pay and so i think the main idea is just to have a discipline that, a sound process for making investment choices
0: which so few of us have. So I'm, uh, I'm again, grateful that, that you took the time to, uh, to to do this. So what are you proudest of?
1: Well, it, it was just an enjoyable process. So I, I love the writing. I mean, I you know with over 275 episodes on my podcast, now that's a lot of words. And so to be able to take <laughs> and choose the best 60,000 words they could come up with, including footnotes, glossary, and, and be able to sort of just put the best words I could come up with. So I'm, I'm proud of the fact that, I mean, there's always improvements you can make. But it if somebody asks me, which book do you recommend on how to invest, I can say, here's a book I recommend. And, and not only that, there's others that recommend the book. I when You know, probably the scariest part as a writer is trying to get endorsements for the book. And which is because you're asking somebody to put their brand stamp on it, their approval. And so I was gratified that individuals like Annie Duke, who the former professional poker player and and decision making strategist, she wrote Thinking in Bets. She endorsed the book and said it, this investment framework is not only helpful for making investment decisions, but making life decisions. So individuals like that supported it. Uh, Rob Arnott, a research affiliate, who I highly respect as a money manager, I've used for years. You know, he endorsed it, and so that I guess if you say if I'm proud of something, one that I got it written, but sure. two that it's re- it's resonating well, at least for those that you know have read it
0: uh, so far. Oh, I love it. Any other final advice to readers?
1: No, not really. I mean, I hope you enjoy it, and you find it helpful, and. Uh, learn, learn how to invest and enjoy doing so. You know, we it. all make mistakes investing. We want to keep them small. But uh, reading any type of, of book like that, I think, can be helpful to readers as investors.
0: Perfect. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and where can they get a copy of the book?
1: Well, they can learn uh, more about uh, me and the show at moneyfortherestofus.com. Uh, the book's at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, but you can get more information at com.
0: Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show David your appreciation and share today's show along with the information and David's book, Money for the Rest of Us. Um, with somebody else who appreciates good ideas, go to com on and Amazon or Barnes & Noble to get a copy or com. Thank you again, David. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!